Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. Hello, and welcome to the Neil Before Pod interview segment. I'm your host, Craig, and recently I had the chance to chat to Alex Lightman, director of the upcoming Steam interactive adventure Nightbook. We talk directing remotely, telling stories, and the importance of knowing how tall people are. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. So I'm delighted to be joined on Neil Before Pod with director Alex Lightman. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. Let's just go to the beginning. How did you get into the career of directing? What made you decide to pursue it? I did a fine art degree, of all things, (laughs) many years ago, which was great fun, but a bit self-indulgent, frankly. And I think what I realised as part of doing that was that I was really interested in telling stories and sort of how stories form such a huge part of what makes us human beings. It's kind of how we communicate our ideas, our dreams, our fears, our societies, our cultures, our values, all the rest of it. So sort of from there, I started forging a career in filmmaking and was a runner for a bit and did all sorts of bits and bobs across film and TV and then started making my own stuff. And slowly, slowly, here we are today. Your IMDb page says that you've done quite a few shorts. Was that a good way to learn the craft of directing to get into the basics and and figure out how it all works? Yeah, I think so. It's a great learning ground to try things out, fail, succeed, learn on the go. I also did a lot of crew work when I was younger in all sorts of different people on a film set, anything from runner to second AD to third AD to camera assistant to production assistant to all sorts and just being around film sets and seeing how other people do it and learning from them learning what you would and wouldn't do it was invaluable really just learning by observing and then trying it myself I guess I didn't go to film school which is not a good or bad thing really it's a really good route for some people but it just didn't happen to be the path I took. With shorts is it just that you can apply what you learned to kind of larger scale stuff when you do features or whatever else is it the same sort of rules but just more yeah it is and there's but there's a different rhythm to feature films obviously like you say they're a lot longer so often with a short film or a music video which i've done a fair amount of as well it's like go in smash and grab get as much as you can often a music video you've got a day get as much as possible short films depending on your budgets as well three days and it's really like a bank heist Whereas a feature film, you might be shooting, well, the first one I shot over 25 days and sort of on week four, you're there quite sleep deprived and it's it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It really is. And the adrenaline's kicking in and it has a rhythm to it. It's just not obviously a lot more to keep track of <laughs> in a longer project. But yeah, absolutely. You take in the same principles from your short film into a longer format you're just telling a story that takes place over a longer period of time which comes with its own challenges yeah and music videos as well i mean i know they do have a bit of a story at least in some cases but some of them don't so can that be harder to construct than if you have say a beginning to end sort of storyline yeah i think so the value i got out of making music videos is that when you're making a music video you're serving the music right like that's what you're doing you're making a thing that supports the song which is really nice because it sort of removes the ego from the filmmaker. You have a very obvious thing that people are not watching the music video to watch the music video. They're watching it to listen to the music. So it gives you this kind of four minute window to do something more experimental, which is a good environment to sort of test your style and try new things whilst at the same time, the pressure is off a little bit as a filmmaker, because like I said, 
people are there primarily for the music rather than the visuals. So when you come to making something narrative, obviously people are there for the story, but you still got in your head this idea that I'm serving a story with what I'm doing and I can take the techniques I've learned, some of which have or haven't worked in a music video and apply them to something else, I guess. That's the value I got out of it anyway. Sure. Yeah. And with your features and shorts and so on, are you drawn to any particular genre or is it just you're keen to give everything a bit of a go? I tend towards the sort of darkness in humans, whatever that means. I think a bit of a cynic at heart. (laughs) So I think I kind of tend towards the darker side of humans. Horror is a very obvious place to explore that. But equally, I haven't done any yet, but comedy, you can have quite dark comedy and quite dark moments. But Anything that's kind of rooted in the truth of what it is to be a human being, I guess, is what I'm interested in. I'm interested in great characters. I'm interested in, I'm less interested in big set pieces and and, and character work is what I'm really drawn to. So amazing, brilliant characters who are complicated and on the darker end of the spectrum, I guess, is where I land. (laughs) And that brings us naturally to Nightbook, which is quite dark. Well, it certainly was in my version. I played through it once and I got a bad ending. So uh, that says a lot about my ability to make choices, I think. I won't say what the ending is in case people haven't played it. But yeah, I got a bad ending. So I guess a big challenge on Nightbook would have been directing remotely, doing it all via, well, Zoom, like we're talking now. What was that like adjusting to doing that? I spoke to Julie Dre, your lead, and she was talking about how she had to learn a whole new suite of skill sets to make it happen. The lighting, the blocking, everything. She had to essentially be a bit of a director herself in a way. Yeah, it was it was wild. She was in Paris. I was in the Midlands in the UK. There's a lot of transferable stuff, don't get me wrong, about how to get a performance out of an actor and how to work with an actor. But yeah, you lose all of your non-verbal communication, right? All that stuff goes out the window. You can't make someone feel more comfortable with your body language because you don't have any body language to use. Looking at someone in the eye and all that stuff, it's just gone because you're on Zoom. You don't have it. So much communication is about non-verbal communication. I think as we come out of lockdown here, that's the thing that I certainly found myself struggling with a bit because you're like, there's all these other things I have to deal with now. I can't just kind of look over into the corner of my room and pretend I'm not looking someone at the eye anymore, which is a struggle. So that was difficult, but also just being really precise with what you're asking people to do, I think was the other big trick. Because you can't point at something, right? You can't just go, can you just go pick up that thing over there? You have to say, can you go pick up that book that's on the third shelf of the thing behind you that's next to the door? You just have to be very specific and very patient. And Julie, she did such an amazing job of such a hard shoot for her. You know, she's alone in her own home. She's the entire crew. And she's got to pull out this performance where she's being chased around by evil spirits and her family's falling to pieces and all the rest of it. I mean, she was heroic, totally heroic. And she had to do, you know, however many pages a day on top of that. It was a challenge. But again, I think you just settle into the flow of it because you have to. And I don't think it's going to be a style that will go away either. I mean, it's been popularised, obviously, by this whole situation. But I think it's going to be something that people will decide to make in future because it is this unique thing and there's been a couple of good examples of it untitled horror movie is the only other one i've seen other than this one but it's really impressive that it's just we've got some people in different locations and we're able to construct a narrative so there's certainly a lot of fun you can have with that i think for sure and we had to sort of create a whole language for the user interface of the computer screen for example we took reference from films like searching and unfriended and certainly searching is a complete masterpiece in 
how to Love create tension with a mouse <laughs> moving around a screen. You're like, <laughs> there's a lot of tension. It's incredible. So I think there's so much coming out of this scenario that we all find ourselves in. I always find that in times of great difficulty, some of the best art happens because people are working out of necessity, aren't they? Rather than having everything at their disposal. So yeah, you have to think of solutions and there is precedent for what we're doing, but hopefully we've got a good one and people enjoy it. And the choose your own adventure side of it must have come with its own challenges as well, because you have this whole, okay, we need to film four different ways that this conversation can play out, which traditionally those would be deleted scenes, right? We wouldn't use these because they don't fit or whatever, but now it's just, here's a choice and that choice has to mean something. Yeah, that again is a completely other thing. In linear films, you don't shoot chronologically. Those of you that don't know that, you don't do that for various reasons. Actor availability, location availability, stuff like that. So pre-built into you as a filmmaker is this idea that you will be shooting things out of order. That's quite normal. But throw on top of that, okay, but in this version, someone's died. In this person, they've been saved. In this version... They're still being in danger. And suddenly you've got three different performances and the words are different and they all kind of have to come from different places. And in some cases they have to work for three different things because they've come from five different places. Trying to create that consistency of performance across multiple narratives is a challenge. Julie was amazing. The amount that she held in her head in terms of continuity was incredible. Often she'd go, oh no, I did this because this happened. And we're like, oh, Great. It's amazing that you've kept that in your head. But yeah, no, it is a challenge. But the secret to getting great performances is to hire great actors. That's the thing no one tells people. Unfortunately for us, we had great actors. I guess from Julie's point of view, her experience with video game branching narratives prior to that would have come in real handy for just keeping things flowing. Because when she did Cyberpunk, for example, you can have like so many different responses to different things and play out in different ways and having to maintain that sort of through line of Here's how this plays out now, because I said this. Absolutely. And she also has a, a really strong background in theatre. So she's used to carrying a performance through two hours with all the challenges of that, with a fixed point. Because that's the other thing, you think about it, we only had one camera angle for her. So if we wanted a wide shot, Julie would have to go further away from the camera, which is obviously different to a traditional movie because you move the camera. <laughs> so that was great. And she really brought with that the energy, I think, that she had an experience of working in the theatre was invaluable because she just was so on it with all that. She's just used to having a more, I guess, demanding day in the theatre because she's having to do a whole thing rather than five minutes of content, I guess. So, yeah, she was amazing. I just wouldn't have been what it is without her performance. She was great. And in your head, did you think of it like a video game or did you think of it like a movie or was there a bit of a hybrid approach? Because it is that weird hybrid thing it's not quite one or the other i was very aware that it was being put out on xbox playstation ios it's going out to gamers which means that in practice with a game broadly speaking and this is what i learned from working with wells interactive needs a kind of reward success fail component to it which you don't get in a movie, right? You can't fail, <laughs> I suppose, unless you don't get to the end of the film. You can't fail watching a film, right? That, for me, is kind of the difference. Yes, we're telling a story, and I wanted there to be a story whichever route we went, which was satisfying, even if, like you said, you got a bad ending. I feel like the characters still resolve from a story perspective. However, there is a success-fail that happens as well. So you can go back as a gamer and try and beat the game so that's the kind of difference. But it is very much a hybrid, like you're saying, very much so, which is 
fascinating and confusing and amazing and new and exciting and complicated and all the rest of it. So it's an amazing format to work in at such an embryonic stage of its development because there were old FMV games and they were great, but we're having a resurgence, which means that we're not writing the rules, but we're certainly finding new conventions for a format that's very young. Your dog agrees. <laughs> and the old school ones, something like Night Trap or something like that, they're yeah. famously ridiculous, whereas this is obviously taking itself a lot more seriously. So it's good to reawaken these things and play around with them just to see what you can get away with and what you can do, because there is obvious potential there. Yeah, definitely. And, and bringing the on-screen talent to this format is really exciting. I feel like we're just at the beginning of interactive films. We've just started. It's just like, okay, so what is it? What does it mean? What do we do with it? And just the bigger and better people we have working in the format, the better the stories are going to be. And you're asking your audience to be so involved in the story. I just think it creates such a direct dialogue between your audience and what they're watching in a way that films don't. It's a different thing altogether. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I mean, we could talk forever about that distinction. <laughs> go down a philosophical minefield of <laughs> storytelling, but there you go. Yeah, they always talk about this interactive storytelling happening. They were talking about it in cinemas at one point, where it's you might have a button in, on your seat and everybody votes, and then that determines what happens next. I think it would be irritating if you wanted to experience the full thing, but it's an interesting idea and concept at the very least. Yeah, I'd love to try that. I think what's really exciting about this format is that I have no idea if people would like that or not. We haven't done it, right? So there might be a, an audience for that. I think there's something to be said for people are enjoying these in groups. And there is a streamer mode on Nightbook, which actually stops the game and gives you as much time as you want. So if you are watching in a group, it's nice because you can have a discussion. You know, what should we do next? No, I would do this. I would do that. And I think that's pretty cool. You don't really get that in films. You more often get, what did they do? And who was that? So it forces you to be more involved in the storytelling and i'm guessing from what you've been saying you'd be very interested in doing more interactive choose your own adventure style stories as i said i think it's just it's at a very embryonic stage as a format and i just feel like there's so much to learn it's very rare as a creative person you'd find yourself at the beginning of a format's kind of reinvention if you went off and made when they made the complex for example it's not like there were any other sci-fi interactive movies at the time so everything you do is kind of a first that's amazing you go out and make a fantasy movie you're competing against all the other fantasy movies that came before you don't have that in this space so it's just term that wells interactive is quite less it's quite unpoliced <laughs> i'm still learning about it and it's just it's really exciting to be part of so i think yeah absolutely love to be part of it or and the amount that you learn about story and how to tell stories and what that means to then eventually bring that back into a linear space, I think is invaluable. And maybe next time you can actually be on a location with the people that you're working with rather than Imagine that. through screens. Yeah, know exactly how tall people are and you know, <laughs> yeah. see the back of their heads and things like that. Be such a novelty. Choose your own adventure, but you're actually there. You're actually yeah, there imagine. It. <laughs> it is weird. I mean, I still haven't met Julie in person. And that's nuts. You form quite close bonds with people when you work with them on film projects. I don't know if I'm taller than her or shorter than her or, you know, I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty wild. No going for drinks after the day of filming and things like that. 
not going for drinks. We tried to do kind of like a rap party on Zoom, which was quite fun. <laughs> He's sort of like, well, we've sat here all day. Let's sit here for a bit longer with a drink yeah. in our hands now. <laughs> Not quite the same. Had a few of those at the start of this whole lockdown situation. It's let's do a quiz every weekend or whatever. And then eventually you just get sick of quizzes and you just want to not be doing them anymore. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So what's your next project? If you can talk about it, what's up next for you? I do have another interactive project in development, which I can't say too much about at this stage. It's in a slightly different genre, but it feels like a natural progression. So hopefully that shoots some point soon. Is it planned to be remote again? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we'll be on set this time. I don't know how tall everyone is. <laughs> Seem weirdly obsessed with that, don't I? Need to know. Just need to know. Just need to know that. But yeah, it will be on set. We're sort of at a late stage of development on the script, which is really exciting. So fingers crossed that happens and we get to be on set and make some more fun content and exciting games for people to play. Cool. I'll look forward to seeing more of that. And I'll be playing through Nightbook more times just to see what other endings I can get. There's 15 of them, I think. It says yeah, I lost track. There's a lot. Yeah. So I'll see if I can get a few more, make a few different choices. Yeah, yeah not get the bad ending of a happier <laughs> ending. Last question is one I always ask in the interview on a lighter mood, nerdy podcast. So I always ask people, what superpower would you have if you could have anyone and why? superpower i think being able to tell whether people are telling the truth or not would be useful particularly in the world we live in at the moment seems with my <laughs> cynicism coming through now yeah i just don't think the truth holds as much currency as it once did and it would be really nice to know if people were telling the truth so the truth is important that or like being immune from pandemics that'd be a nice one that'd be a good one as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> But if it's only you that's immune, it's the same problem. You still can't really see anybody. That's true. Yeah, I'd be isolating. I'd be out in the street, skipping around and no one would be there. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Maybe being able to make everyone else immune, maybe that would be good. <laughs> Pass on immunity, yeah. Why not? Yeah, those are cool powers. <laughs> altruism there. I always find that says a lot about people when they tell me what power they want, because I always feel oh, like yeah. it's just a bit of an insight into the way their brain works. I love hearing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. It's been great speaking to you about Nightbook. Good luck with it when it releases. I can't wait to play through a bit more of it once I have a bit more time. Thank you. Made sure I got through it once, just so that I wasn't pretending that I knew what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course. It was really good fun. I enjoyed the story. I thought Julie was amazing. Colin Salmon is always amazing to see in things as well. I think he's brilliant. Yeah, he's great fun. Yeah, it was great. Great project and and interesting in interactive storytelling as well. I play video games and mm-hmm. it does our watch a film and choose things is pretty cool for me. So great. Know, I'll be keeping my ear to the ground for your next project. So I really hope it pans out and is as good as Nightbook. Thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me on. It's really nice to chat. Oh, no worries. Thank you for your time once again. It's been great. Thank you. That was my chat with Alex Lightman. I wish him all the best for his future projects. If you like what you heard here, then please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any major podcasting app. Apple users, please leave us a star rating and a comment. If you want to discuss this interview or anything else, then you can get us on Facebook or Twitter under Neil Before Blog, or leave a comment on neilbeforeblog.co.uk. As always, I hope you'll join us on the next Neil Before Pod.